Welcome to another episode of What's the Friend One One. What's the friend one one? 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 Joining me in conversation for this episode is somebody who has inspired me in a number of ways through her wisdom, her great taste and her uniqueness. Our friendship began in the playground during the school runs and soon evolved to animated conversations over herbal tea and coffee about culture, family life and our views on the world as we imagine it. She's the friend that introduced me to the term ambivert, the rare quality of having both an introvert and extrovert personality, which apparently I have. We share a common passion for world foods, languages and things pre-loved and handmade. And when we get the chance, we still try to fix the world over coffee and cake. Let's welcome my dear friend and one of the coolest mums I know, Yeshim. <laughs> Hello, Yeshim. Hi, that was a, a, I don't know whether it's, it was well-deserved, but that was a glamorous, wonderful introduction. Oh, no, of course it was. <laughs> it's funny, it's, it's funny with these things because um, there's so much more to how you view and see a friend than than you actually sometimes get to tell them or share. So yes. um so yeah, so this is a lovely, lovely opportunity to say lovely things about you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I will play back. That you deserve. That you deserve. Thank you. <laughs> so just first of all, thank you so much for um coming on this episode. I know how hectic your schedule can be. So really grateful for you taking the time out to to join me in conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, so really grateful. Um, really, thank you for inviting me and really pleasure to join you, Amy, as always. <laughs> well, um, so just very briefly, as briefly as you can, just how has your, uh, your week been so far? Well, in a nutshell, I would say very hectic at work and equally hectic at home <laughs> and survived as ever. So... <laughs> That's it, really. I think that describes one word is hectic to describe this week. Yeah, hectic. <laughs> you don't stop. That's why you assume. Yes, you, you don't stop. I know that very well. <laughs> so we're going to spend some time just having a conversation about friendship and just sort of topics surrounding friendship. Um, I'm going to throw some questions out there. But before we do that, um, let's just provide a quick background on our friendship. So can you remember when we first met? Where and when we first met? Yes, on the street, <laughs> walking <laughs> for the very first day of reception class with my daughter and your son. Yeah. And I remember that um, you were behind me and you said something to me and I turned around and I saw you and I thought, I'm not so sure if I know this person. And then you were talking to me and my little daughter was talking to me. So I was very distracted. <laughs> and then when you said that, are you other's mum? And I thought, oh, I have to stop for a minute because not a lot of people knows properly what my daughter's name is. <laughs> this, <laughs> this deserves their attention. And yeah, we were talking to the very first day at um, primary school, weren't we? With our little yes, kiddies. Yeah. 
And I remember because um, the school that we're talking about was up a hill and poor you, you were pushing this heavy buggy. You had this, your little one who was two at the time yeah. and you were, you were pushing this buggy and I, and I just politely sort of stayed behind. I didn't want to overtake you. Oh, <laughs> and you were with, you were with your in-laws. But can you remember, I mean, that is exactly how I remembered it and you're right, it's, it's, that's where we met. And it was, I think we just got to the school gate and you took a breather. Yes. And, um, and I said something to you because I overheard your in-laws um, say, oh, I think they said, oh, Yeshim, are you okay? Do you want to stop or something? And I thought, oh, Yeshim, I know where she's from. And so, <laughs> so the first thing I said to you, I said, oh, oh, hello. Oh, I said, yeah, are you Yeshim? I think I said, yeah, are you Adam's mom? And I said, Hosh um, Geldinez or Merhaba. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do remember. That was very <laughs> impressive because uh, not that only I didn't know you, you pronounced everybody's names correctly. And then you said hello in Turkish. That was very notable. Just to explain, uh, um, I had the buggy and I had my second second daughter and I was just after a spinal operation. So And I have ostomy as well. That's so right. it was like too oh, much to right. on. Yeah, oh. that's why I was on a mission to get to the hill. To, the, to push. The I could see that you were really pushing. Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's the story yeah. behind it. But thank you for being so gracious because I'm sure I came across so over familiar by just saying Merhaba. Yeah, that was very sweet. <laughs> and it, as it usual, instant, uh, instant emotional instant connection, activating, yeah. you know. Yeah, but as usual, you know, you were so warm and friendly. So, um, so yeah, just thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great, great thing that has happened, Amy. I must say. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, well, before we delve into the questions, actually, at this point, I just want to highlight the highlight, the exact length of our friendship. So we met back in 2011, yes. marking 10 years of our friendship and how long we've known one another. Um, so here are some other things that have hit their 10 year mark as well. Um, so the royal wedding of Prince William and Kate Middleton took place 10 years ago. So their marriage is as old as we've known one another. <laughs> Croatia joined the EU in 2011, marking 10 years of their membership in the oh, EU. Oh, I didn't know that. Very random sort of fact here, but... <laughs> good to know. And, um, yeah, good to know. Um, and Game of Thrones premiered on HBO in 2011, ma- making it 10 years old. Were you ever a Game of Thrones yes. fan? Yes. Were you? Yeah. Oh, wow. I like this fact most. <laughs> I, I miss the whole thing. I, I have a couple of friends who are just sort of diehard fa- fans of um game of thrones so but i missed the whole thing but i heard it was really good yes it was good and also uh, my second daughter um her name is aria persephone and uh, everybody oh, asked i didn't realize that was her middle name yes yeah, oh, she, she's also called persephone and um uh, everybody asks me nowadays that did you call her aria because of the game of thrones but actually it wasn't but there's yeah. a character called Aria in there. There's a, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because it's quite a rare name, actually. So Yeah, it's a very... Aria's quite rare. Very Turkish name. Rare. Just, um, uh, I think it sometimes Spanish names and Turkish names and some Eastern European names are very similar. Yes, and they are. Some, some of and there are sort of variations of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so... All right, lovely. Well, there you go. There were some sort of facts thrown in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to delve right into the first question, and it's a question that I sort of usually ask just to kickstart the conversation, which is, what's your definition of friendship, or how would you define friendship? 
Yes, um, I guess the good place to start is it depends on the word for me personally, because uh, language reflects the culture and how somebody thinks. And in in English, there's only one word for it. And in Turkish, which is my other language, there are about five words as far as I can remember. So each uh, word describes a different depth and different type of friendship. Yes. And uh, I guess thinking about all that, for me, really having a connection with another human being, just as Mm. you are, really, that is the definition of friendship for me. But referring back to the different words in Turkish, uh, there is one word called dost, I think D-O-S-T. That is the type of friendship that you actually trust fully and you share whatever comes to your mind. And that is a person that uh, more than just, uh, what's the word? You have a coffee sometimes. It's more than that. There is a... So it's more of the world, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Outlook yeah. you like. So yeah, I think it's about it's about having a connection with somebody else that opening yourself up and being how you are without pretending. That is for yes. me, that's what friendship for me. Yes, yeah, being able to be yourself as well. I'm really quite interested in that. So you, you talked about the different levels. So uh, is that does, is it kind of similar to some other cultures where you have sort of an informal sort of friendship, informal friendships in that sense? Yes, um, I think um, uh, there are actually, for the word you, there are two words in Turkish. One of them is says, you say to somebody that you are, um, I guess, what's the word in English? You met somewhat in some yeah. settings, but you haven't got very much connection and there's a distance and respect and distance, you are in interaction, but there's no expectation of sharing very personal things necessarily. And there's the other word, which is sen, which is, again, meaning you, but that's the word I would use for you, because that is, uh, uh, there is no arm's length there, and there is more uh, closeness, and anything can be said, and it's more informal, basically. Yes. Yeah, and it feels safe. It feels like a, yes, a lot yeah. more than the other one. Yes, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think in work setting, it would be the first choice. Yeah, so it's, that's more an acquaintance, yes. level, isn't it? Where there's familiarity, but you don't sort of build a necessarily build a personal relationship. Yeah, yeah, oh, um, interesting. And within the second one, sand, more informal one, then there are degrees of Fifty Shades of Grey. In that oh, goodness. <laughs> yes. So how do you keep up with all of that? You know, I guess you just um, kind of do it by feel. Maybe. I think, uh, I think uh, maybe, I am not sure, other languages must have done something similar and other cultures yeah. must have done something similar. I can't imagine it's only Turks or Turkish language. Yeah, no, I don't. I think uh, 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 I only know their words and that's why I can ref- refer to. But I yeah. think in in effect, I think it happens naturally. In yeah. UK as well, yeah. you know, there are types of friends you share almost everything and there are types of friends you sometimes meet for a coffee, but it's a small talk basis. And yeah. You like them, but there's nothing earth shattering. <laughs> Whereas yes. the full, <laughs> full extent of opening yourself to another human being and yeah. actually accepting them as they are as well, you you there is a validation and there is also 
fireworks because you're actually putting <laughs> the ideas there yeah. and it can go anywhere and nobody worries about uh, trusting, nobody worries about how they may look when they're discussing it. And yeah. that's where the pleasure lies for me. Yeah, so very open, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, and also, like you said, if it's if it happens naturally, you, I guess it's not something you put labels on either. You don't sort of say, no. okay, you're my this friend and you over there, you're my that friend. You know, it just no. all happens and you <laughs> just know where you are with each other. Yeah, it's, I think yeah. instant, almost instinctively happens. And I have to, you know, I have to state in here that there is no snobby categories between them either. I mean, yeah. I have friends that I don't discuss a lot of stuff. But I like them as they are. And we have a coffee every three months. They're nice people. For some reason, we don't go one step ahead. Doesn't bother me necessarily. But I would say um, I'm more of a proper reflection person and proper yeah. connection person. I, I, I get more pleasure out of close friendships than small talk. I'm not and really that, a small yeah. talk person. I can't call it small talk. Yeah. yeah, and having that emotional intimacy. Yeah, yeah I'm the same. I, I, I do like to connect with people on a deeper level. You know, if, if the situation or the opportunity allows, then, yes. yeah, I'd, I'd like to kind of find out more about a person and and, and go a bit deeper. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing more not sort fascinating than... wriggle my toes in the, the sort of the shallow end, but... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, sorry for interrupting. Mediterranean no. comes out really. I get excited when I'm talking about something passionate. But <laughs> yeah, I think um, I I don't see what what's the point of small talk too much. Really, the real yeah. real thing is the connection. I think. Yeah. Well, on on that is is there one friendship that you can think of that embodies? your definition and what it has meant to you if you can think of one otherwise you know you can sort of speak in general terms um i think well i was about to say i'm one of those lucky people i have few few close friends but i don't really believe in luck <laughs> but i do believe in <laughs> coincidences and effort basically and yeah, yeah. i do put effort to my re- relationships and i think maybe part of the part of that is that effort, part of it being um, coincidentally like you and I meeting yeah. purely on coincidence. Yeah. We have a few people uh, that I can call, you know, that would qualify for that question. Yeah. But um, rather than giving one of them, I can give you a pattern because mm. those few people and um, probably have the same pattern. One of them is... Um, there is a humbleness and modesty in the relationship. You know, mm. if one of us is very successful at something, we also know that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. um, and there is that humbleness because I have some friends. That there is one uh, who manages like ginormous amount of people and works on really big, massive machines. And she's very, very clever person. And um, and I will ask her, how do you do that? How do you calculate that? And how do you? Yeah. And it will be normally a, a very humble answer. Well, sometimes I don't know. So the humbleness <laughs> and the modesty is one pattern. Yeah. Because I think one of the big barriers of grown-ups <laughs> is that we we like to have this. Um, Face and status and behind facade. Yeah, yeah. facade. That's yeah. what I was looking for. 
Um, And if you can get over that, I think it gets exciting for me. And I think modesty and humbleness in usually, and the trust is there. And other than that, everybody does what they think they want to do. And that is quite nice because I am one of those people that I don't necessarily need the other person to be like myself to be a really close friend I like people being different and quirky and neglecting or whatever they are so the rest is very open-ended for me but I would say there is one thing I think I I find it hard to get very close to people and friends if their outlook on the world is very different to myself so yeah. I can cope with some differences because we all have it. You know, yeah, so there's an extent to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there is a threshold that where I can't find myself with that person any longer. So this group of people, if you think about yourself, you will be yeah. in that group as well. Um, you know, we are similar in terms of main political base. I think politics is are important to me because you know I was an activist and I just think that matters a lot where you stand in terms of how people are managed and how people are governed and yeah I think summarizing definitely trust humbleness and modesty openness and also similar outlook on ethics and politics I think those are my five criteria if I have to choose Yes. Well, I'm going to jump forward to actually a question I have just to touch and then I'll go back to the next question I have for you because um, you, you talked about being an activist and um, and sort of really, you know, being heavily involved in, well, not involved in politics, but following politics and how much that mattered to you. So I'm going to come on to uh, the, sort of fast forward a little bit and come on to the question I have about growing up in Turkey because I know we've, we've talked about um, that playing a huge part in your friendships, actually, kind of the activism and the politics. So, yes. I just wanted to just wanted to ask you, you know, what was it? What was it like? Obviously, you're originally from Turkey. Um, what was friendship like for you growing up there? I think uh, when I was a kid, uh, culture is very open uh, to a level that it's overly open. I would say sometimes yeah. uh, looking at with outsider eyes you are endlessly allowed to express your emotions and that means you're receiving (laughs) huge amounts of emotions from others. Yes, and life is very energetic uh, and a lot happens at the same time and it's quite a lot of spontaneous human interaction, I think, that's a way to describe it. And people are very straight talking and yeah. in fact, um, trying to say something tactically considered as being double-faced sometimes. Oh, so honesty yes. has got a different meaning. Yeah, yes. so with a bit of suspicion, maybe if you're too. Yes. Yeah, if yeah. If, if you're too ta- t- tactful, maybe is that the word? Um, yeah, that's tactical. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. So as a result, in terms of um, you know primary, secondary school, that. It was very out there. Everything was happening. So it was very open. You can make friends very quickly and it can all go wrong very quickly. Yeah, at the same time. (laughs) Yes, it was very lively. (laughs) For me personally, it was very significant that my 
father had this job. Um, he was he was a banker, which sounds very glamorous, but it wasn't actually. He was a branch manager in a yeah. big bank, and he had this ethical outlook that um, uh, everybody needs serving wherever they are. So the bank would say, uh, we need a branch manager in somewhere nobody wants to go. And he would say, I will go. <laughs> so yeah. we ended up moving, being posted to places pretty much every two years. Mm -hmm. So what that did in terms of friendship is that I was always the outsider and the new girl and the girl that knows no teachers, no yeah. kids. <laughs> so yeah. I had to learn very fast that you walk into a massive building full of strangers and then say hello and start. Um, I think it gave me some skills, but at the same time, I think, thinking back, it probably traumatized a little bit as well, but I have yeah. coped with it clearly because yeah. um, I became a quite a loud person. So I learned, I think, to make myself visible because... Oh, <laughs> so the opposite happened because for yes. some people, it could make them more introverted, actually, or yes. just sort of go into themselves. So for, so for you, the way your coping mechanism was to just be sort of out there and open and transparent probably yes. maybe yes. as well yeah and also I became someone that uh, I made them laugh I made yes. them look at me basically because there was no other way everybody had yeah. like long relationships so it became this thing that um, I think I am le much less extroverted than I look but because yeah. I had to live like that, I became that person. Yeah. <laughs> that <Yeah>. makes sense. <laughs> so that was the story until uni. But I think uni was absolutely great for me because that was the time, I think, A-level times. I got interested in politics, psychology, although I was in maths class. Um, and I think during the uni time, it was a huge amount of education for me, not only at uni, I just wanted to know why things happen in the world. Mm. I got interested yeah. in philosophy and the politics and what is wrong with the country, what is wrong with Sri Lanka or somewhere else. I, I had yeah. this craving of making things right, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then... I found myself in wonderful group of people, really. Uh, the, I would call them the best of best of um, humanity. They exist yeah. here. They exist in uh, everywhere. They exist in Dakar. They exist in Istanbul, and they exist in around the corner in Bristol. So yeah. <laughs> I just worked with them. You know, we used to do magazines and uh, workers' party, uh, all sorts of things. I was a real yeah. pacifist, but very yeah. active. So that type of friendship was very satisfying because you're not only trusting these individuals, they tend to be quite ethical individuals, generally speaking, because they're very concerned about the other's well-being. Yeah. And also on top of that, there is a comfort because, you know, we are, we are tribal, aren't we? We are social animals. Yes. So when yeah. we share a purpose with other humans... On yeah. top of that, you can trust them and you yeah. can have fun with them and drink tonight. Yeah. It's yeah. really lovely. So I still yeah. see them. Yeah. No. So you still keep in touch with them. Yeah. I really identify with that. I think. I think 
friendships when you get to university can be quite tribal anyway. Yes. <laughs> you sort of gravitate towards the people that have sort of common interests and sort of outlook on things. And then, yeah, you find your tribe and then you move around in that, <laughs> with that tribe. Yeah. <laughs> I think my yeah. tribe at uni were clever people. They were clever in the sense that they failed exams a lot because they were doing something else. <laughs> they were protesting yes, yeah. or something. Yeah. But they were clever in the sense that they really were curious. They wanted to know why things go wrong everywhere. Yeah, they didn't and, go along with the status quo sort of thing. Yes, and yeah. that takes a particular human being, I think, because yeah. um, anyway, that's another debate, I guess. Because they were like that, they were very trustworthy in the sense that when you done so, you're doing something and they think it might harm you in the long term, they yeah be kindly coming and saying what do you think about this you know this looks very entertaining at the moment but is that going to do good to you and they were protective as well in some ways and yeah. it was a very good mixture they were a, they were a fun loving liberal bunch as well and yeah yeah I had a great time I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that must have shaped shaped who you are today in a way I'm sure that really very played much. a huge part in shaping who you are yeah today yeah uh, very much so i mean i've got to be careful um not me- mentioning um you know politics maybe too much but i do think that i owe them quite a lot about um i could you know it's sliding door moments isn't it you can yeah it can be somebody else very easily but i think yeah. they made me a better person yes yeah i think friendships do that it, well yes. the right friendships yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. That's fantastic, Yashim. Um, All right, so I'm going to ask you the the question I was going to ask you previously, which is, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at making friends? Well, (laughs) you probably already come across as being someone who is very friendly and makes friends very easily. So I don't know if I I should have even asked that question, but I I want to put it out there anyway. (laughs) Um, I don't know that other people are better judge of it, but from my perception, uh, I I can talk to people very easily and I'm interested in them genuinely and I think they see it. And I I quite often get described as a friendly person. I don't know um, how it's hard to see yourself with the other's eyes, but I think the... Uh, childhood definitely made me somebody who can quickly make friends because yeah. uh, I think that's a big def- yeah, yeah that's it yeah and also I uh, love people so yeah I can't help myself a brand new person is somebody else to discover another planet and uh, yeah. I think I'm not bad at making friends so so what, what would you give yourself then as a score uh I would give myself a nine <laughs> Yeah, good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that, actually. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I can only base it on our friendship and how we met and became friends. But yeah, I would probably even give you 10, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. It's funny for me, I, it's, I, I was thinking about this and I think I don't know quite how to score myself because, um, you know, we talked about me being am, an ambivert. And, yeah. and I just think about, like, so, um, If I say if I found myself in a situation where I was meeting um, a room full of people for the first time, um, 
if I'm having an extrovert moment, then I'd be the first one to strike a conversation and want to talk to everybody. But if I'm having an introvert moment, I probably wouldn't talk to anyone. <laughs> yes. or I would, I would be, I'd probably talk to one individual and speak to that individual for the rest of the, the, the course of that time. Um, so in my extrovert mode, I would give myself um, probably a nine. But in my yes. introvert mode, I probably give myself a four or a five. Yes, but you know, that's good. That's good. You have to be what, what you are. I think also, you know, going back to the definition of friendship, um, you know, they, they say that the falling in love is an individual act, nothing to do with the other party. Yeah. Friendship is a little bit, for me, it's about how open you are yourself, you know, and your, it, it, it depends on your own relationship with yourself. So, and then it develops great friendships. And uh, I must admit, I can relate to your introvert moments because there are moments that I'm not very open because I'm, I'm doing my own thing and I'm reading and I'm, you know, so I can definitely understand that. But I think uh, until I was 40 something, I didn't realize this. It's hard to discover yourself a lot harder than discovering the whole world. (laughs) I now think that um, primary, secondary school survival for me, because everybody said that I was wonderful sailing through, moving every time I was very, I had really great success academically. And now thinking back, if I can think of that little girl as my little girl or a friend's little girl, I just think to myself, she had to put, uh, you know, she had to suffer a lot probably to perform yeah. for everything. So that yeah. is, I think, for me, I will do 10 out of 9 regardless of the mood because that's what I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's what I had yeah. to do. <laughs> <laughs> survival, really. Survival. Well, that, that, leads, that leads me on to the next question because I was, I was really interested in asking you this question. I had to bring this up because exactly. of just the fact... <laughs> Just the fact that you, um, you know, you, you sort of introduced this term ambivert to me. So um, the next question I have for you is, how essential do you think it is for an introvert to have an extrovert friend and vice versa? Well, um, I deal with these things at work a lot. And I have to say, there is a, a quite a lot of debate around it. Um, there is a lot of criticism to it because it's like any other uh, diagnosis, if you like, <laughs> yeah. is categorizing people. And the argument yeah. is people are, have too many variables to put into pots. But yeah. I think yeah. it still describes some tendency. So I yeah. still think it does tell something about us. And for me, uh, I think from a innovation, creativity point of view, or just that life gets much better, you have to mix things rather than separate them. So I would say that it is quite important for an extrovert to have introvert friends because they taught me huge amounts. I can tell you very honestly (laughs) (laughs) that what I have learned from introverts is that all that loud making myself visible almost looked vain sometimes because I met some people very quietly sit in the corner of the room and they don't get the credit, they're not visible. And then I realized they're much cleverer than others and they have a lot more to say, but just because they haven't 
loudly made themselves visible, they get ignored. Yeah. And then I looked at politics, the same thing happens. I looked at business, uh, you know, when I work. And actually, uh, there was an article uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was uh, in Guardian, uh, what do world owes to introverts? And actually, yeah. it shamed me as an extrovert. <laughs> I mean, my extroverts is about over 60%. It hits 70 and then wow. there's 30%. So I'm quite a high extrovert person. Yeah. But I do think that as a more extrovert person, I desperately need the introverts because they... Yeah. They pull me down and shame me quietly by oh, well, being. Shame you. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's a good, traits, it's a good shame because yeah. you know uh, uh, you have to look at something opposite to understand. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with that actually. Yeah, and um, and I think introverts, quite honestly, could could learn from how easy just to just talk to people sometimes and it doesn't need much skill really in some sense yes yeah I think it's good to mix yeah well it's fun yeah I do and I I can I can add to that and thanks on the on the strength of that I I funny thing about me is I need both (laughs) I need both (laughs) introverts and extroverts (laughs) that's why we get on Amy (laughs) yeah I I need both but you know the funny thing about me is that you know um you know, having extrovert friends is great for me because extroverts bring out the extrovert side of me. Um, oh, how, yes, they do. However, introverts are the ones that really understand my introvert needs a lot more. Yes, so, that makes so sense. Yeah, so what happens with my extrovert friends is that we're having a lovely time and then um, as soon as I need to revert back to my introvert space, it confuses them. Because they think, oh, we're having a lovely time. What's happened? How come she's suddenly gone off radar? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And with my introvert friends, they just know. They get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have extrovert friends that have known me for so long. They just know when I need that space. So it's great. But my introvert friends, just they're not demanding in that time. They just think, oh, yeah, you know, she, she, she needs that time, et cetera. It's a very unspoken thing. It's not yes. something that needs to even be communicated. You know, we they just know. So so I need both for, for balance in a sense that, you know, I've got my extrovert friends who I can be really extrovert with and and then I jump back, which, you know, it's it's very confusing because I I am I have an extrovert facade facade. And I think I think I was actually a, a born introvert naturally. And I think what happened over time is um, I had to develop, I I'm kind of grew up in a culture where being an introvert wasn't really, um, not just recognized, but um, it wasn't really appreciated because yeah. Yeah. I come from very open culture and being shy yes. and not greeting people or not yes. um, being talkative was seen as being a bit weak. And, and so to, in order to sort of prevent myself being teased or being sort of yeah, all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to kind of develop this extrovert persona. I mean, I do think I'm both anyway, to be honest. And um, and I really do have you to thank for that, actually, because I, when you explained the definition to me of an ambivert, I suddenly made sense to me. Up until that point, I didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I never knew that. That's great. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm similar, although percentage is high towards 
extroversy. Yeah. But I can't have people all the time and I can't I need like really quiet reading and yes. just thinking, yeah. just doing nothing and processing basically. Yeah, and process and, and being more internal about how you draw yes. out things rather yeah. than sort of trying to get it from people. Yeah. So you're 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 on that cusp, but you're probably more extrovert than me. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. yeah. And also I think if you think about, you know, um I don't know, this may be a controversial thing to say, but we, we, we are monkeys. We are really intelligent monkeys. So we yeah. copy each other. So yeah. Here, yeah. if you're an extrovert and you're with an introvert, it's great to observe. If you're an observant person, yeah. I'm one of those people that I like uh, quietly observing and appreciating the ordinary people who are not actually ordinary. <laughs> so <and laughs> you learn a lot from them. You do do take lessons because, and then you copy their good bits. And that's why good to mix because good friends taught me a huge amount of them. You taught me things that you don't know, probably. And I, you you know, that's what, what makes it really exciting because otherwise, otherwise, you know, nothing to look forward to, but yeah. Um, Variety is the spice of life, yeah. Spice of life, exactly. <laughs> and we know about spice, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think our husbands experience a bit of our spice sometimes. <laughs> yes, too much of the spice they have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, that's all some lovely stuff. At this point, I'm going to take a short break. Um, so join us back in part two. What's the friend? Okay, so welcome back to part two. Um, are you still here with me, Yashu? Yes, I am. Brilliant. Okay. In spite of <laughs> Well, um, we're, for this section of the episode, we're going to move into a more topical discussion. And for this episode, we are exploring friendships in the workplace. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just jump right in with a question to sort of just get the conversation rolling for this section, um, which is how easy has it been for you to forge friendships in the workplace in your experience? Um, it is quite different than uh, private life. That's yeah. especially for the job I do because um, I work um, as the HR person and that makes it very different because people tell you quite confidential things and yeah. uh, quite openly and you can't relax in the sense that uh, you you're you're their HR manager or whatever what have you and at the same time you can make friends but it can get very complicated because yeah, then you're sitting on meetings. And so for me personally, uh, I still make friends at work, but they normally blossom after I'm gone from the workplace <laughs> because I have to keep it very professional. Because of your role, I have to yeah. Use, uh, do what I yeah. have to do. Um, there is that added dimension for myself. But generally speaking, I try to separate my private life from work a little bit. I'm yeah. one of those old-fashioned people. Yeah. I think, uh, partly because of the nature of the job I perform and partly 
I think it's good for mental health and it's good for uh, switching off, basically. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's very so, true. Um, when I'm not working, I don't meet work friends, basically, or yeah. I'm meeting them, it's usually um, a drink after work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then we go out in the evening, but, um, yeah, there is, it, it, they're not as relaxed as the other ones, I would say. yeah. What sort of work friendships? But that's quite a balancing act for you in in your yes. role because on one hand you it's part of your job that you have people confiding in you yes. if they're having any personal issues that might um, impact you know their their work performance or just how they how yes. they're able to get on with their work. Um, but at the same time, they may be people that you actually get really get along, get along with really yes. well. Yes. And so that must be quite a balancing act, really. <laughs> it can get very complicated, very true. Yeah. Because you can really like somebody as a friend, but then you might find yourself sitting in their very serious negotiation meeting. So yes. yeah. you can't... Um, you have to you're bounded by the professional standards and you can't yeah. say certain things even you think sometimes yes yes <laughs> and yes. i mean everybody does their job in different ways and this is me doing my job because i'm thinking i have to stay in the professional boundaries as much as possible because uh, uh, I am more on under the spotlight than others because I'm yes, the person uh, guiding yeah. others. So yeah. that becomes a barrier to do more at work yeah. if you like. Yeah. I mean, I know people doing my job, they never go to the parties because when HR sees something, it's seen yeah. <laughs> and they have <laughs> So there is a, it is quite tricky to manage for me, I would say. So that's why I can't relax a lot at work for yeah, but but aside your role, I mean, you've probably had other roles, work roles. Um, yes. So aside that, if you can think of that a context when you haven't been in that role and you've been in yes. other roles yeah. where it hasn't been too sensitive, um, how 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 was how has work friendships been for you uh, in that sort of context? Then it was a lot. Is that more easier? It yes, was much yeah. easier, and I had yeah. a great time because I do I do like making friends. And when you work with someone seven hours a day, inevitably yeah. I have some friends from very old jobs, and uh, yeah. I get messages, and we meet for coffee still, and yeah. we still giggle about the things we used to do when we work. <laughs> so uh, it's quite fun. It's it's yeah. quite good, and it, it is much easier then, because this is my second career, and the, the first one, it, it was nothing to do with HR, and then uh, I did make a lot of friends, I must say. So. Yes, and, and how were you able to keep those friendships professional? Um, I think it, only bit that uh, interesting, uh, if it's not a HR-related job or you're not holding um, the problem I have, I have access to quite uh, intimate commercial information or uh, company mm-hmm. information and yeah. it can get very political workplaces, as, as you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I leave somewhere... And those are not there anymore. Actually, it's all free ride, except yeah. I have to make sure that I am still keeping this stuff confidential, even when we are talking back about old days at work. Yes, of course. So it's almost like yeah. it doesn't switch off from yeah. that sense, because yeah. we are supposed to still keep the secrets with us forever. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's that side of it. But it 
it dies down because when you start being friends with someone and sometimes I say to them, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about work and they understand. I think people yeah. understand how the situation yeah. position is. Yeah. And then it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. Feel about. And if they're a friend, they'll, they'll understand. Them. They will understand. They? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I came across this term um, recently and um, and it may have been term floating around for a while, but I've only just come across it. And it's it's the idea of a work spouse. Have yes. you have you have you come across that term? Yes, and there's okay, also good. work husband, work wife. <laughs> work, work, oh, good because I was gonna because we're gonna explore that a little bit and, yes. and the activity that I have for you because we're gonna kind of explore this just slightly further and we're gonna do yeah. it through an activity that I have. But right. um, but before I do that, I'm just gonna. Um, sort of put the idea of a work spouse into context and just kind of define it quickly and briefly. Sure. Um, so a work spouse is essentially a work bestie. They could be male or female, i.e. a work wife or a work husband, like yes. you said. Um, they are who you go to for, for emotional and moral support at work. They are your primary companion and confidant at work. Work is never dull when they're around and they contribute hugely to your overall happiness at work. Um, so that kind of sums up a little bit of what a work spouse is. So on that basis, we're going to move into the activity and then maybe we can sort of um, wrap up by sort of expanding on the idea a little bit more um, sure. after the activity. So do you have a pen and paper handy? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so I got I got the idea for this activity from a particular online source on the internet. And according to that source, about 70% of Brits have a work spouse and don't actually recognise that they do. <laughs> so I kind of want to put that to the test with you. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to use you to test the theory a little bit, um, whether you might make up that 70%, who knows? Um, so, but before we do that, and without trying to take the fun out of the activity at this point, um, if you can answer just by saying yes or no only, yes. okay, um, do you currently have a work spouse? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'll hold it there. Let's park that there for a moment. Um, so here are 12 signs that you have got a work spouse spouse and as I read them um, see how familiar they sound to you and if you've already got somebody in your mind that you think yep definite definite or suspect at least um, as, as being a work spouse then as I read them out um, these 12 signs just just if you take note of the number okay. and if they ring true to you for this particular person you can think of at work then just put a tick next to that number okay. if not put a cross Okay. <laughs> All right. Is that clear? Any questions? Yes. No, you're good. That's good. Okay. All right. So the first one, um, number one, they are your biggest fan. So basically they're your cheerleader. They provide the moral and emotional support you need at work when things get tough. And they usually psych you up for big things like important meetings and annual reviews, etc. cetera. Yes. Okay? Number two, they provide much needed guidance. So you can rely on them for advice and guidance, mostly for work-related matters that they will have first-hand experience with. Yeah. Number three, they have a genuine interest in what you have to say. So you can trust them with sharing your work concerns or problems. Yeah. Number four, you can call them a trusted friend. So basically a confidant. Number five, you feel a bit lost when they're on holiday. 
particularly if it's a long holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Number six, they're always on hand to make you a drink. So they'll go the extra mile in keeping your mug topped up with a brew to help keep you going throughout the day and vice versa. (laughs) That's cozy. (laughs) Number seven. I'm not sure about this one, but anyway, this might ring true to you. You give each other gifts for your desks. Mm, That has happened to me with my person. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, so that was number seven. Number eight, they're your biggest critic. So because of your special bond, you can be brutally honest with one another. Number nine, you have lunch plans with them every day. Number 10, you accidentally wear matching outfits. (laughs) That hasn't happened to me. (laughs) Number 11, you have inside jokes. And the last one, number 12, you argue a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a marriage. So, so, so out of interest, how many ticks would you say you've, you've got all together? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, that's good. Yeah. So I think, I think we can say you definitely have a work spouse. Yeah, I think. I think. Is that a work wife or a work husband out of interest? It's my work husband. <laughs> husband oh great oh fantastic so I want to go back over a couple of these signs because I thought some of them were a bit funny like number 10 you accidentally wear matching outfits so going by the fact that it's all that's that's unlikely to happen really is it (laughs) I can't say with with any work wife or husband I've had in the past um that we've we've ever done that no I don't I don't think so as close as we we were um and I thought number seven was funny you give each other gifts for your desks we have done um, that actually I got well that's cool because <laughs> I wasn't sure if that sounded a bit over the top or not so. no I mean it, it's just nothing big but it, uh, yeah I think I did uh, uh, buy him a, a little bike like made out of recycled materials oh that's that, lovely I, I used to get given little chocolates and uh, a little mug and things like this oh the, yeah. the coffee continental coffee uh, thing coffee for one <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think I've I've only probably given more birthday gifts than than desk gifts to, to yes. a work spouse yeah because yeah. I've I've certainly had more um more work wives I'd say in the part in my working life than I've had yeah. work husbands and and it's funny to refer to them as work wives because Back in the day, I would have just said, oh, it's a colleague that's a friend or it's a friend that's a colleague either way. <laughs> I think um, I think workplace is changing, workplace culture. I think people are yeah. increasingly perhaps uh, more themselves at work. And yeah, more because, relaxed. Yeah, companies yeah. are uh, encouraging more um, uh, authenticity, if you like. And, yes. And I yeah. think that comes from the latest uh, buzzwords and trends and the culture uh, and actually it comes up uh, from the theories as well because when people are themselves they perform better and they're happier yes, they do. Yeah. and the dress code and everything in, is moving towards more informal more relaxed 
and yes. actually recognizing this human being also wears slippers sometimes yes. and they're pajamas yeah. <laughs> and they are actually woman or man or gay or what have you. So I think my current company is a good example of that. It's quite inclusive place and you can't make yeah. assumptions because there are all sorts of people. And and I think for that reason, the conversation re- relating to relationships, I would mm. say in the last decade, uh, dramatically relaxed. Yes. You know, yeah. People admit they have a crush on uh, uh, in their uh, work colleague, but yeah. you know, they have done <laughs> and what have you, whereas it used to be very hush-hush, things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot more strictly. I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something happened to me uh, uh, that which I noted mentally because that proves how the culture changed, workplace culture. I interviewed someone and they we offered them a job and started the job. And after about a couple of months, we went for a drink at lunchtime before the pandemic this was. Yeah. And she said to me, uh, blah, blah, sat in my interview with you and I couldn't take my eyes off. <laughs> and and she said oh my god that has distracted me and I thought (laughs) you know I thought I mean of course they they had a crush on that person is that right (laughs) and that's not interesting in itself I think people have feelings like that but the fact that they are actually openly talking about it yeah knowing that that happens to everybody and not necessarily anything huge I think that's the bit, expression of it changed, I think, or open. I mean, it still depends on the sector and the culture of the company, but I do find that... Yeah, it does, it varies. Mm. I mean, my dad was a branch manager in a bank, and I remember him every day dressing up top to toe, very, very formal, you know, tie and the whole thing. And nowadays, very... Very few companies actually require ties in these days. Yeah. A lot of the time, jackets are picked out. Yeah. You know. Just uh, smart wear, but not yeah, sort of Smart formal. casual is the yeah. dress code. Yeah. And even when you're presenting and it's a really formal situation, uh, you can see somebody, you know, in trainers with a jacket and a T-shirt. And, yeah. and that is an artifact indication of how the culture and interaction at the workplace yeah Yeah. so over over the work over your um sort of the course of your work life um would you say you've had more work wives or more work husbands well i end up with husbands more simply because business uh, I, I report to the MDs in small companies, what we call SMEs, small to medium-sized enterprises, as known in the UK. They tend to have a CEO or, or a managing director, and the top HR person always reports to them. Yeah. And unfortunately, there is another conversation oh, about gender balance. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> most of them are male. And yeah. you work very closely and uh, you become their uh, a person that they can say anything they like, whereas they can't say yeah. it to anybody else. Yeah. And also, um, I think uh, I grew up with a brother and I, I have some side of me that feels quite close to the males as a gender. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy in their company. And I, I, I did, um, you know, my secondary school A-levels. I, we were three girls in a 
the classroom full of boys. And oh, wow. uh, because I was in the maths and science specialist, uh, we, we did like 10 hours maths every week. And everybody else was in, uh, at the time, I did A-levels in Turkey that um, there were three routes to go. You had to specialize. And I yeah. specialized in the maths and science. And it was major maths classroom. And it was full yeah. of boys with three girls only. Wow. So yeah. I spent probably three years like that. And yeah. then I went to engineering. And uh, unfortunately, there was more boys than girls. So it kind of followed. Then I went to business. And I think my current company is a lot better in the gender balance. It's almost half and half. But as you go up in the companies, there is more males than Yes, else. you do find, yeah, the gender balance changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was in the same boat as you. I chose science and I did do, I chose the sort of physics and maths modules yes, that I found exactly. myself being, um, being sort of one of, I think the only girl actually in my class. I was the only one, funnily enough. It's a good thing uh, to be, Amy. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, I, I, I had a fantastic time actually. <laughs> well, just for academic point of view and just the, the laughter and, and, oh. and I, I wasn't as brainy as some of the boys in my class. So they, so they would help me out help me out a lot really to be honest <laughs> but in saying that though I've probably had more work wives than I've had work husbands and it, it was it would be my the work husband I'd bicker or argue with in a friendly way the most yeah. I can't say I really bickered with um my sort of work wives but with a work husband yeah I, I could have a certain argument and it was just yes. you know it was just quick and easy and you know there's no eye scratching or anything like that just right. <laughs> it was, and we you know we'd pretend to fall out we'd make it was just great but but I, I think with my work wives though in my experience because I think work spouse relationships they can be gradual and they can they can develop over time but in my case with 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 work wives I'm, I'm talking about that I've had um our relationship was instant I, it, there was always there was always somebody even if it was just one individual at the workplace that you just hit it off with from day one yes and you just get each other you're on the same yes. wavelength and yeah. in my case a lot of my work spouse relationships especially work wife relationships were just instant that's what I remember there was like we formed an instant connection and when I say instant I just mean maybe over a week or two but yeah. I still feel instant really as far as relationships goes um yeah i mean that's the argument isn't it um uh, in developed uh, i don't like uh, uh, those definitions uh, yeah. they're, they're relative but unfortunately sociology and a lot of people uses it in developed countries like west europe for example they say that in these days people stay in a workplace not because of anything else but the people and the relationships and the culture because they want to yeah. be there. Yes. Uh, because yeah. when you take the basic hunger out of the equation, then mm. the other things magnify. And yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, uh, it's still a minority of locations in the world, but the West Europe mm. and around Europe, I think, and America and certain countries... Usual suspects, <laughs> yeah. I think, um, because the salary and hunger is out of the uh, equation more, people mm. pay attention to the culture a lot, you know, yes, type of culture. And yeah. there's a lot of debate around the culture as well, because, um, for example, there is a phrase, cultural fit, 
uh, meaning like-minded people. Yeah. Uh, um, it looks a great term, but then it comes, like everything else, it comes with a con uh, that if you're looking for like-minded, but you might have wonderful people, but they're not like you, then are you close yeah. to them? And yes. how interested yeah. you are? And, uh, uh, you know, don't you want to mix different heads and brains because that's yeah. where the creativity and innovation comes from because somebody yeah. else shows you different glasses different angle and together bang you have a solution to something much easier or much different. Yeah. so it's very interesting debate out there about the culture and about the way the workplaces work but yeah. um because of the social media and the, you can tweet your life out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think <laughs> workplace also got affected from that. Because yeah, I think so. Because you're exposing more about yeah. your personal life than yeah. you would normally, than would have been true, you know, some, some maybe a decade or so, a decade or so ago. Yeah, um, Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I found that interesting, actually, what you just said. I just want to touch on what you said about, um, and this is sort of going a bit beyond the workplace now, because um, you you touched on the idea of culture. Yes. And, um, and, there, are some, and there are some cultures where, um, I was thinking about this the other day, just because um, I think there are some cultures that that find it easy to, and you mentioned this before in a conversation yes, that we had, yes. that, that, that find it easy to open up and connect. And then yes. there are some cultures that don't. And I think um, in in a more reserved culture and the culture that we, we we're in at the moment, you know, which is a fairly reserved culture, um, maybe not so much compared to other European cultures, but it's, it's fairly reserved. And and I think that um, what that means is sometimes friendships can be exclusive. Yes. in that context because people do look to um develop kind of personal friendships or only feel like being close or getting close to 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 an individual if they feel they share the same values or common yes. sensibilities or they have a similar outlook etc and um but those relationships can be quite deep once they're once they're cemented yes. Yes. But in cultures where, um, which I still love, you know, cultures that are more inclusive where, where it comes to friendship, um, you're just part of the team straight away, you know, almost instantly, whether yes. you have anything in common or have common interests or not. Yeah. Um, and that's great because I've loved it. And I've, I've loved how, because I've, I've lived abroad and lived in a culture where it's very much like that. And people just are ready to embrace you yes. and draw you into their friendship circles. And you've hardly had to earn it, really. Um, but the only downside, and you, you touched on that, actually, the only slight downside to that at times is that if because you don't have a similar outlook, then you don't. They don't get to know you in a much more deeper or profound level. No, um, even though it's it's wonderful and it's 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 quite a lovely feeling to be embraced. And and when you when you just get that overall warmth and friendliness coming that other people that people project in that context it's yeah. it's wonderful that when you're at the receiving end of that yeah. um but with ex, with kind of more exclusive friendships and when you're in a more reserved culture it can take quite a while to build yes. that trust which can sometimes be a frustrating process but but once that friendship is cemented then it's really it goes yes. deep and it can yeah. be very meaningful so it just depends isn't it on the culture really it does and also uh, there is a wonderful analogy um in uh, i remember this from uh, from a, a academic article somewhere but it stayed with me so long because i absolutely love it 
it describes people, it's a theory actually, uh, the hardware we have is the species, mm. isn't it, uh, human, yeah. the humans we are or whatever you call us. And then we then operate with different softwares, don't we? Like yeah. we have a Turkish software, and yeah. uh, I have a Spanish <laughs> like software, I have a British software, <laughs> and I have a business software, and there are layers <laughs> after layers. And I think uh, uh, you operate with switching on and off the different codes. Yeah. And yes. what tends to happen is that when um, when you're uh, together with someone who has different threshold of openness, yeah, you are tuning yourself into because really you have to tune in yourself into other people in order to mm. meaningful relationships. Yeah. But because the threshold is quite different, ultimately yourself and the other party gets different things at different levels. For example, to make it more tangible, um, uh, for someone uh, Spanish, I've got lovely Spanish friends, and I actually, I have to say, I have a very wide variety of friends. You do, from, you, you certainly do. And I love that, and I'm hoping it will stay as it is, because I just, uh, uh, you know, um, I just take them as they come, because I am not requiring yeah. them to change for anything, and I enjoy them as they are. And that, I think, gives me the opportunity to have them <laughs> from different, different yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. And like, for example, with a f Spanish friend, I, talking about work friends, there is one uh, a Spanish friend at work. And when we go out to drink, which we did before the pandemic, she said, Yeshim, I need to hug you. It's <laughs> <laughs> job you're talking to a Mediterranean. <laughs> I know what you mean, but there you are. <laughs> you can hug me. <laughs> and, and I think what happens is that um, you develop uh, quite fast in terms of trying to understand what that person's challenges are. And all being in tune with them, yeah, in that sense yeah. that you said, yeah. I think, you know, I got really great uh, uh, English friend, and but it took us, as you said, it took us probably the best part of 10 years to get to that point. Wow. And wow. now, um, uh, you know, we, we, we are quite open. And actually, yeah. she's one of the rare people, I will say, confidential information because she does the same job. Yes. <laughs> so we don't <laughs> understand. Yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely person. Um, but it did, took us, it did take us a lot of long uh, time to get there. And I think, like everything else, it's a, it's a choice. Um, yeah. You know, um, I just um, sometimes think we lost too much time. But as you say... There is something to be said for the wonderful reserved attitude because yeah, there is. steps are yeah. sure, slow but yeah. sure. But sure, yeah. And yeah. I do respect that um, and and things don't suddenly go wrong for the same reason as well. Yeah. As it happens yeah. a lot in Mediterranean, there's a lot of yeah. movements. So I think there's no right or wrong. You just are yeah. putting the different code Yes, I like, I like your analogy of hardware and software. You're like yes. sort of, so I, th I can imagine like the operating system being you, the essence of you, Yeshim, yes. and then all this other software that you've had to sort of load on top of yes. that. Yes, exactly. 
exactly. And, uh, I, All these other facets of you, you know. <laughs> you go back to the very beginning of the conversation when you said hello to me, Arya Yishim, Arya Other's mum, in that very yeah. day we met. Yeah. Because you said to me uh, uh, something in Turkish, I did operate the Turkish software, <laughs> and suddenly I thought, okay, she knows about where I grew up as well, <laughs> or something about it. So this is the thing about, uh, you know, uh, I really don't think it matters how many softwares I operate with someone, but my yeah. point is, uh, I recognize that you have to operate different software with different people because yes you do. some parts will be alien to them and yeah you know or vice yeah. versa really yeah and that's just life we, we all that's learn just life. Yeah, yeah. We, we we do have to kind of wear different hats and and be different individuals depending on the context so it's it's a bit of a juggling act and I think when you're younger you're sort of a bit more clumsy with it maybe get it wrong yes um, <laughs> and then as you get older you, you're a bit more self-conscious about getting it wrong so you try to be a lot more sort of refined you know um, yeah, and also you <laughs> Uh, sorry to interrupt again, meditative oh, no. software, I blame for. Um, uh, I think also it, it about, it's about the identity and who do you think you are and what your identity is. Mm. I'm sure about that identity. And that's the bit that I love about being older and older and older. Yeah. I want the younger body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want the brain, prefer, the older mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the wisdom. that <laughs> comes from knowing what is okay for you, what is not, and you know who you are. Yeah. And that is yeah. a great liberating feeling, which yeah. I only started having in, you know, 40s onwards, really. Yeah, but it's, it's you, and you bring that into friendship. I think that's what makes, I like, I quite like mature friendships in that sense as you get older, because you, you do start to identify, um, you own how you identify yourselves. You're, you're, you don't sort of, any longer allow others to kind of put labels on you yeah. in the same sense and and I think that yeah that when you can bring a more sure self to a friendship and a relationship then yeah I think I think it just makes it less messy and not, not that I don't mind the mess but it just just makes it a bit more refined and yeah it just it just adds another uh, level or gear to the sort of sophistication yes, exactly. <laughs> can be as you, as you mature and, exactly. and, and there is also a different quieter pleasure out of it uh, yeah. I think you're a good example of that I always have wonderful ideas and feelings about you but I don't necessarily That's very sweet yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily I enjoy them quietly that makes sense uh, and I think if I in my 20s I remember being more expressive or those things and I think it, yeah. uh, in middle age there's a nice settled feeling of you both know but nobody needs to necessarily spell it out loud yes. yeah yeah you appreciate yeah. people for how they are and yeah I think this goes back to um to my um uh, reference to the politics I think I think to me uh, uh, my opinion is that uh, success or what they have done or where they're born or none of those defines people I just want mm -hmm. to know who you are yeah and and because yeah. life is so complicated and nobody has the definitive absolute answers yeah and you can't I just want to know what you found out and yeah. I think that is a good base to start everything else is really detailed yeah 
detail or even relatives sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Yeshim. I've really, as usual, I enjoy <laughs> your company, really enjoy your company, Me enjoy too. our conversations. Like you say, we have such an eclectic conversation, don't we? Sometimes yes. we go down rabbit holes or sometimes we go off tangent, but we, yes. we just, it's always enriching. There's always something to, 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 um, to feast on I'd, I'd say when yes, I have that's great with you. <laughs> <laughs> and we we do and I think we connect so much on so many levels that sometimes it's quite hard for us to to get at what we need to go oh, but I was thinking if you know we we kind of have this real animated yeah. sort of conversation there's the energy that said, oh this this thing I thought oh God, I came across that the other day too and we were just getting really excitable and <laughs> well, actually that describes it well uh, this one out doesn't you know didn't doesn't get anywhere it just scratched the surface I guess the surface really <laughs> um, but I think that's the target if you can be like you were when you're kids you accept something yes, and yeah, you just absolutely. get excited about something I and it's okay yeah that's you know. great I think that's what we need yes. we need to remember how we were it when we yes. kids no it's wonderful we don't really have a traffic light system when we're in conversation do yeah. we? we just go for it and there's chaos and it's wonderful yeah I love it though I love it you know you spend so much of your life just trying to compartmentalize every put things in box keep things orderly so yeah. just a little bit of letting it hang loose a little bit it's quite nice and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also I don't think the human brain works with the very definitive categorizations. I think, you know, when you talk to yourself yeah. and on your own, yeah. there's a lot of connections going on random. Sometimes it feels like random. And yeah. if you can do the same thing with another human being, it's just yeah. like reminds you that you're not on your own. Yeah, and that you're human. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. you're allowed to be human as well. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I look forward to some more herbal tea and coffee um, sessions with you. <laughs> Me too, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So as usual, um, it's just wonderful um, having conversation with you, Yeshim, or being in conversation with you. And um, you're such a pleasure to be around. So um, thank you again for your time. Um, and yeah, so many interesting things that I can take away from, from this conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you, Amy. Thank you yeah. very much. No, no, thank you. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to sign off here. Much love. And um, yeah, have a good week and we'll see you soon. Definitely. You too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Join us again for another episode of What's the Friend 1-1. What's the Friend 1-1 is a Thirsty Worker production. Produced by Amy Fall. Music by Amy Fall and Simon Sleep. What's the Friend 1-1?